chapter 1. Um, we're going to start in verse number 3. All right, let's go ahead and get going. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we bless you tonight, and we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to open up the Word of God. Lord, we thank you that your Word is truth. Lord, we thank you that your Word brings life, that it quickens. And Lord, we ask tonight, Lord, that you would reveal truth to your people. Lord, we thank you for the truth of your Word. And Lord, we thank you, Father, that this Word, Lord, has no errors in it. It is the infallible, inerrant word of God. And Lord, we thank you that we hold it in our hands and we pray tonight, God, that you would reveal it to our soul. I ask, Lord, for that anointing to preach and teach as you desire. And Lord, we all ask for that anointing that we can hear and receive what the Spirit is speaking in this hour. And Lord, we ask it in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody says, Glory to God. In First Peter chapter 1, we're going to be beginning in verse number 3 tonight, going down to verse number 7. But you know, I want you to know this, that, that God understands our issues. God is not blindsided by the issues that we go through. Now, sometimes we need to reckon what we're going through. Sometimes we, we deceive ourselves and we, we kind of turn a blind eye to those things. But I want you to know God has provision for you for what you're going through. And not only that, but God has provision for you for what's going to happen in the future. How many of you know that our God's faithful? He's faithful and he's going to be with you every step of the way. God is faithful. He, is, he has promised himself to you. How many of you know that you are the bride of Christ? He has promised himself to you as a child of God, and he's going to make the way before you, just like he did for the nation of Israel. Every crook, every cranny, every turn that comes across the way, God's going to part those things. God's going to push those things back. God is going to show you where to step, where to walk, where to turn, where to go. God is going to tell you what to say, how to say it, when to say it. God is going to provide for you each and every time. How many of you know that? Amen. He's good tonight. First Peter chapter one, beginning in verse three, he says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. A lot of people have a, a, a little hope. I hope that you have a lively hope. <laughs> a lot of people have a little hope. They're like, oh, I think God might be able to do something. He, God might be able to do a little something for me. But God's called you to have a lively hope. You know that you can't manifest that on your own. That only happens when you understand the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that he truly rose from the dead. He defeated death, hell, and the grave, and all power in heaven and earth has been given to our Lord Jesus Christ. So the hope that we have is a living hope because Jesus is alive. If he wasn't alive, we wouldn't have much hope. A lot of people today, they don't have much hope. They they have hope as, as, as secure as their circumstances. I hope the weather's good. I hope this happens, and I hope that happens. But for the child of God, our hope defies this world because our Jesus beat this world. Our Jesus conquered this world. So we have a living hope. Amen. There's something different inside the believer because we're not bound to hope in worldly things. I'm not looking for a worldly expectation. I'm not putting my, my eggs in the basket of the world. I've got my, all my eggs in the basket that's in heaven in the hands of Jesus. I have a hope that is above this world. Amen. This world comes and it goes. Life is short. It's a vapor, but eternity is forever. And so my hope is in my living Jesus. He's alive today. And I hope and pray that your hope is alive today. Amen. It's one of those things that and we see we got to we, we, we touch on those things, but we got to make sure that that hope is birthed in us. But look, let's finish this thought out. It says that that he has begotten us again to a lively hope. By the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you. For you, the saint of God, the child of God, the believer, God has an inheritance awaiting you. And look what it says next. It says, you who are kept by the power of God. What's that? Through faith. You are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. What keeps you is your faith. 
What keeps you is your faith. When your faith wavers, your security wavers. Your, what keeps you is faith. Faith is what God's looking for. And, and he says faith without works in the book of James is dead. God's looking for a living faith in his people that you would truly believe what he says and that it would move you to respond. True faith believes and responds to the overture of God's grace. And notice what he says. You are kept not by your own strength. You're kept not by, you know, God puts you in time out. You are kept by what? It's, it's right there plainly. You are kept by the power of God through faith. That's what you're kept by. And look what it says in the next verse. It says, wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perishes Though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. That same Jesus that left this earth in bodily, resurrected, and he ascended to heaven. That same Jesus will soon come back to this earth. But what I want you to see in this passage is he says in verse number six that even though right now in certain seasons we go through manifold temptations... Sometimes they're heavy. See, temptations, one of those things, the, the, the more you grow in God, the more you grow in the Word of God, you don't, you don't get an exemption card from temptations and trials. You don't get an exemption card from seasons of heaviness. Just because you're growing in God, just because you're growing in the Spirit, doesn't give you an exemption card from hard times. He says right there that though now for a season, if need be, you're in heaviness, through manifold temptations. What does the word manifold mean? Our car mechanics know. It's a varying power. It's a varying influence. It's various. The enemy comes at you in various ways. That manifold, it, it, it comes at you in, in different ways, in different times. It changes things up. You know, the enemy knows if he comes at you this way, you've already got that secure, so he's going to come at you a different way. But these temptations, God allows sometimes these temptations in our life, if you notice the next verse, for the trying of your faith. In other words, temptations will refine what you put your hope in. Temptations will refine where your foundation is. You see, our foundation cannot be in the stock market because temptation will break that stock market. Our, our, our faith, our security, our hope cannot be in the things of this world because the things of this world are fragile. The, the things of this world are made in China. The things of this world are here and then gone. They're made of, of substances that will break apart and break away. But God is calling us to put our hope in that which is eternal. But he says in, sometimes we go through heavy seasons. Sometimes, how many of you remember those seasons of life where you go through and there's just no joy? There's no, it's just hard times sometimes. It's just hard trotting through those things. But those seasons, what they do is they refine you. Because as you come out on the other side, you've got a faith that is stronger than when you went in. When you come out on the other side, you've got a faith stronger than when you went in. You see, Peter could tell you a story about that because whenever he was tried, Jesus looked at him and said, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat, Peter. He said, but I've prayed for you. He didn't say, I've got an exemption card for you. He said, Satan's desired to sift you, but I've prayed for you. Amen. And I, I think Peter probably would have said, okay, but do you have one of those get out of jail free cards that I can pull? Because none of us want to go through those times. None of us want to be sifted. None of us want to go through those seasons of hardship. But it's a reality that you need to know about so that it doesn't blindside you. You see, we preach the whole counsel of God's word. We preach it, whatever God leads us to preach, because you need to know so that you don't get blindsided when hard times come. There are certain seasons that are heavier than other seasons. Sometimes we go through hardships, but we've got a God that will get us through the hardships. And we're going we're gonna to talk about that tonight. I want you to see the reason why sometimes things are hard is because God's making something out of you. God's making something out of you. God's got to work for you. And you wonder, why is it so hard for me? It's hard for everybody. Get past yourself first off. Get past yourself first off. It's hard for everybody. 
If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. But the reality is, is that when, when faith is tried, it comes out on the other side purified. When it's tried, it comes out purified. And what God wants to do in you is he wants to purify your faith. He wants to purify your faith. There's a great work ahead of you. I don't know how much time you have left on the earth. I don't know how much time we have left on the earth. But I know from this day to that day, there's a great work ahead of us. If you can see the trajectory of the way the nation's going, if you can see the way our families are going, if you can see the way that the nation's going and the world's going, we've got to work ahead of us. We cannot continue to stick our head in the sand and sing kumbaya while people's marriages crumble, while children change their gender chemically by some corrupt doctor. We can't continue to stick our head in the sand while people are committing murder and rape. We cannot continue to turn a blind eye to the hardships that are out there. We've got to get involved in this thing in order for us to be who God's called us to be. Our faith needs to be purified well everybody wants to have a purified faith but nobody wants the trying that comes with it amen amen nobody wants the trying that comes with it but there's a promise there isn't it and i want you to see it says that these these temptations are are are, are heavy and they're manifold in other words don't expect the enemy to come back on you the same way he came back to you last time amen don't expect that because you know the enemy he's he's a deceiver he's a prowler and he would love nothing more than for you to get comfortable on a certain thing. Amen. One of the tactics of warfare, they, 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 would, they would come at someone and then they would retreat. And then the enemy would think, oh, okay, they quit. And then they would drop their arms and then they would come back at them. They would come back at them. And, you know, one of the things that I see in so many people's lives today, I hope you can understand how I'm communicating that. Because I see this tactic. I see Satan use this tactic on people. He will come at them with a little, with a little prick, with a little push. And they'll, they'll come against it in Jesus' name. And they'll get the victory. And then they'll drop their shield. They'll drop their sword. And they'll go gallivanting all around town, carrying about the, the, the cares of the world. And then the enemy comes in for the kill shot they will drop the armor of God as soon as that small battle's over with they they've got a problem in their marriage they'll start coming to church they'll get down on their knees they'll God will rescue that marriage but as soon as that marriage is on solid ground they'll walk out the church they won't come another time to church and as soon as the armor of God comes down the enemy comes in for the kill shot I've seen it time and time and time again and I want you to know that God wants you God wants you to do something about it. God doesn't want you to get taken out. God wants you to do something about it. Because he, we know from Ephesians chapter 6 that the enemy, he takes those fiery darts and he's launching them at you. God has given you the shield of faith so that you can quench all, A-L-L, Calvinist, all the fiery darts of the wicked one. There is not one fiery dart that the shield of faith cannot quench. If you'll take up the shield of faith, what we're talking about, we're talking about faith. God refining your faith. God purifying your faith. If you'll take up the shield of faith, there is not one fiery dart from Satan that can penetrate your heart. If you'll take up the shield of faith. But you see, God's called us to walk by faith and not by sight. And what, where do we mess up? We start, we start walking by sight. We start barking, don't we? We start barking and him hawing and complaining and belly aching. We start getting bitter, getting offended, getting this and getting that. And once we begin to start barking and all that stuff, we done drop the shield of faith. Because I'm telling you, you can't be bitter, you can't bark, you can't gripe, you can't be a complainer and hold the shield of faith. You can't do those things. Amen. So Peter, Peter here writes that the trial of your faith is more precious than of gold. You see, gold perishes. The interesting thing about gold is, is it, it, um, this was a, 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 a neat little study. I, I never knew the difference between real gold and fake gold. You know, I always heard them. I knew it was pyrite was fake gold, but I never knew, so I studied up on it. Not that I'm, I care about gold, but it's just in the Word of God. Well, what's the difference between fake gold? Because a lot of people have fake faith. <laughs> A lot of people have fake faith. They have, they have Sunday religion. Well, after COVID, it's, it's once a month religion, maybe. 
But the reality is, is that there's a difference between pure gold and the fake gold. The fake gold, when heat is applied, will crumble like a piece of glass. It shatters everywhere. But true gold, when heat is applied, it gets soft and the impurities are removed. It gets soft and pliable. Amen. God's able to shape you and mold you when the heat's applied to you. You want to know why, why sometimes we go through heavy seasons, why sometimes we've been through experiences? Because there's something beautiful God's doing inside of you. There's something beautiful God is doing inside of you. When you come out on the other side, God's going to use you to minister to people. God's going to use you to touch people that are going through those same experiences. God's going to use you to light a fire in others. You're going to be an encouragement to others. You're going to be a source of strength for others that God can use. That's what he's called you to do. He's called you to encourage your brothers and sisters in the Lord. You're not here on your own. You're here to serve the body of Christ that God be glorified. And you see, this trying of the faith is more precious than of gold. A lot of people, they put all their hope in gold. There's people today that are selling all that they have and putting it in land or putting it in gold. But I want you to know, I, I think we ought to put all that we have in faith. We got to put all that we have in faith because faith is what moves mountains. Faith is what sustains a soul. Faith is what quenches the fiery darts of Satan. Faith is what we've been called to walk by. And faith is what God's looking for in you. And if you wonder why you go through hard times and you wonder why things are heavy and you wonder why there's various and manifold temptations, it's because God's doing something beautiful in you. Amen? Now, that in itself is awesome, but God's given us more than that because there's things that I want to show you tonight that God's going to give you as you go through these trials and temptations. God's walking with you. God's going to sustain you, and God's going to give you the victory. You need to hear this in every moment. There is not one moment that God's not going to be your victory. There is not one moment that you go through a hard time or a trial that God will ever leave you, turn his back on you, turn the light out on you. God will not leave you. He will not forsake you. He will not render you victory less, but he will give you all the victory moment by moment. And I want to show you that tonight. First thing that you need to know that you need to do in order to, in order to combat these temptations is first thing, right out the bat, you've got to do something. You cannot be complacent in temptations and trials. You've got to be a fighter. You've got to be a fighter. There is a fight. Paul told Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. Amen. Fight the good fight of faith. Did you know that if you can't have a solid faith, if you're not a fighter, You've got to have a fight inside you. You've got to have some tenacity inside you. You've got to be able to say no to the enemy. At some point, you've got to say, you know what? You've come this far, but no more in Jesus' name. No more in Jesus' name. You cannot have my children. You cannot have my parents. You cannot have my spouse. You cannot have my nation. You cannot have my city. You cannot have my cousin. You cannot have my brother. You cannot have them in Jesus' name. You've come this far, but that's it. We're going to come on the offense now. We're going to take up the shield of faith, and we're going to drive back the enemy. Amen? First thing in James chapter 5. James chapter 5. You should be able to look on the same page, maybe. James chapter 4. It says in verse number seven, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. You know, that's an amazing scripture. And, and, and there's times that I, 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 I counsel with people and I talk to them about their trials and their temptations that they're going through. It's such a hard time. Are you resisting the devil? Well, well, well. Well, but you know what? Before you can even resist the devil, you've got to get submitted to God. You've got to come under the authority of this word. You've got to come in compliance with his standard. You've got to turn away from rebellion. You've got to turn away from your ways. You've got to turn away from wicked ways. And you've got to come into submission to almighty God. And then you can resist the devil. And it says he will what? 
The word of God, which is unchanging and unfading. The word of God, which is here today and will always remain. The word of God that will never change says what? When you resist the devil, he will flee. You know why? Not because of you. He's not scared of you. He's scared of what's inside of you. There's an authority inside of you called Jesus Christ. That authority inside of you because you were purchased with the blood of Jesus. You were purchased with the price. You're under a blood covenant through the Lamb of God's blood. And that blood covenant gives an authority over your life. And when you stay in submission to God and then you resist the devil, the word of God, which cannot lie, says, the devil will flee and I want you to know there is not one battle he won't turn away from if you stay in submission to God walk in the standard of God walk in compliance with the word of God in other words like Paul says over in Galatians walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh you keep walking in the spirit walk in compliance to the word of God stay submitted to God stop rebelling against God Stop. There may be an area where you're just in flat out rebellion to God. You may just be like, I, I don't, you know, I'm, I, that, that Holy Ghost thing's not for me. Stop rebelling against God. Jesus said, tarry in, Jerus- in Jerusalem till you're in dude. It's not an option. It's not optional. He said, do it. Amen. So we need to not rebel against God, whatever it is. If he says to forgive our enemies, we need to not rebel against that. You know, Jesus said that if you don't forgive men their trespasses, God won't forgive you your trespasses. You can't say, oh, I'm never going to like that guy. He stole my lawnmower 13 years ago, and all I care about, I just, I I hope he just has a bad life. Well, you need to get over that so that God will forgive your sins. Because if you harbor bitterness like that against anyone for anything, you're in dangerous territory. Amen. Jesus, in the, in the prayer, to, when he taught the disciples how to praise, Father, forgive us our debts as we forgive those that trespass against us, right, that we're indebted to. You know, God's not going to forgive you if you're not forgiving of others. Amen. That's hard. That's a bitter pill. Some of us, we got hang-ups on that one right there. But I want you to know that you need to stay submitted to God. Whatever God says is the best thing for us. Whatever God says is the best thing for us. Amen? Amen. So be it. Well, you don't understand what they did to me. Well, I don't, but you don't understand what you did to God. Just love you enough to tell you that. I don't understand what they did to you, but you don't understand what you did to God. Because our sin against God is far greater than what someone could sin against us. When we rebelled against God, I mean, he's holy, we're not. He's, he's God, we're not. He's deity, we're not. He's the creator, we're not. He's the sustainer of life, we're not. He's eternal, we're not. And we go against him, we buck against him, we go against his word, we've lied, we've stolen, we've cheated, we've done this, that, or the other. And, and you're going to hold something over someone else. And, and, and you say, Pastor, you just don't understand what they did. Well, God does. God does. God understands what they did. And God will give you grace. If you say, Lord, I need help in forgiving this person. I'm having a hard time forgiving this person. And if you'll give me the strength, I'll do it. That's all. You give God that. You give God your heart. You give God humbleness. You give God a willing heart. God will meet you there. God will meet you there. I've seen God do it. I've seen God mend relationships. I've, I'm telling you, when, when, at, at funerals, it's, it's crazy because at funerals, when you preach funerals, one of two things happens. A family either gets shattered, they either grow apart, or God does a work in men's hearts and brings them together. But I don't, but you know, sometimes people, you say, well, nobody asked me, nobody asked me my say so at the wedding. You ever been not invited to a family, family member's wedding? You know what I'm talking about. I'm never going to get over that. Well, you better if you want to stay right with God. You better if you want to stay right with God. Well, they didn't invite me to lunch. Well, let it go. Let it go. Amen? There's something more important than, than them not inviting you to lunch. You know what it is? It's your soul. You've got to stay in submission to God. And, and you know what? The reality is they may not be in submission to God. They may be off in left field. They may not be right with God, but you need to do something for you. You need to stay in submission to God so that you can resist the enemy when these various manifold temptations come so that when they come and you resist, the devil will flee.
That's what you need to do. Amen. That's what you need to do. So sometimes you need to let bygones be bygones and let things go. As uh, my father-in-law always says, that boat done sank, let it go. That boat done sank, let it go. Amen. And sometimes we need to do that. We need to turn the chapter. We need to turn the page and, and let things go so that we can stay. Listen, so that you can stay right with God, you need to learn to let things go. You need to learn to let things go. Amen. You do, because God's going to do a work in you if you continue to walk by faith. But once you begin to harbor resentment, once you begin to resist what God's doing, once you begin to, to, to turn a deaf ear to God's word and God's commands, you start setting yourself up for a bad time. I've seen, I've seen people that know some things about God get taken out because they would simply resist something that God had said. And I want you to know that God doesn't want that for you. He's got something better for you. Amen. So there are, there are manifold temptations that come. There, the, and God's looking for the purifying of our faith. He's, he's trying your faith so that he can purify your faith because it's precious. And God has told you that if you'll stay in submission to God, and if you'll resist the enemy, the enemy will flee from you. Now, I want to tell you that this, is, this right here is important because we all have temptations that come. And this is, the way, this is the way through those temptations. Now, I want to show you something important. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 27. Isaiah chapter 27. You know that you are the apple of God's eye. How many of you know that? How many of you know you're the apple of God's eye? You may say, well, I'm, I'm not all that. I'm not all that. You know, you're a, you're, a, you're a child of God. You're a child of God. And if you're a believer, he lives inside you. He, he lives inside you. You know what the awesome thing about that is? He begins to take ownership. He tends to his flock. How many of you know that pastors are called shepherds, right? We're, we're called the shepherds of the flock. But do you know who the good shepherd is? Yeah, Jesus is the good shepherd. He's the high priest. And even if a pastor is, is, is slack in his job, and even if a believer is slack in their job, there's a high priest, there's a good shepherd, and he knows when one of his sheep is beginning to get wayward. And you know what? He knows how to get your attention. He knows how to get you, right? He knows sometimes some of us he's got to grab by the back of the neck and get us back in line. Sometimes he's got to grab us by the back of the neck and get us back into safe grounds. They, they say sheep are some of the most ignorant animals that they are. They'll walk off a cliff because they see a bush way down there below, not realizing that it's going to kill them, right? They, they're just very ignorant animals. And you know, it's amazing that God likens us to ignorant animals. I mean, it's, it's just amazing how God does that, but some of us are boneheaded. Amen. Some of us are just boneheaded. And, and that's, it's important for you to understand that you've got a good shepherd. Psalm 23, David wrote that the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, right? What that means is I need to stay by my shepherd's side. I need to stay. I don't know, you know, a, a sheep, he don't know if he walks off the cliff what's going to happen, but all he needs to know is, am I close to the shepherd? Just stay right there, right by the shepherd. You know, that's, that's sometimes our dog does that when you leave it. She'll, like a cat, will just come put her body on your leg. Just everywhere you walk, she'll go. And you know, that's how God's looking for you to be with him. God's looking for you to stay with the shepherd, right? Because he's going to take care of you. He's going to provide for your every need. You're his creation. You were created a new person in Christ Jesus. Amen. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He is, he is watchful over his creation. He is watchful over his people. In James chapter 15, he, he says that the father's the husbandman. He goes over that vine and he makes sure everything's producing fruit. He makes sure that everything's beginning to bring life. He wants to see fruit. He wants to see life begin to flow in you. And whenever something's bringing life, he begins to prune it. That's what we're talking about tonight. The trying of your faith. The various temptations that you go through. He'll prune you so that you'll bear more fruit God's not satisfied with the fruit you're bearing today God will prune you so that you'll bear more fruit scripture reference John 15 verses 1 through 6 
God is not satisfied with the fruit you're bearing because he'll come and he'll prune you so that you'll be more fruitful in the future. But you see, some people miss this because he's walking that line and he's looking over that vine because it's precious to him. And if something's not bearing fruit, he does something spectacular in John 15. It says he cuts it off and throws it into the fire. That's what he does. Something that's not fruitful, he cuts it off. That's a, that's a scary place. But he's watching. He's watching that thing. And as long as you'll stay in submission to God, fruit will begin to flow out of you. As long as you stay in submission to God, fruit will begin to flow out of you. Even right now, even as you walk by faith and not by sight, as you worship by faith, as you give God praises, as you give God glory, as you tell God that you love him, as you as you begin to honor God with your heart, as you begin to draw near to God, that's fruit bearing out. That's the fruit of the Holy Spirit beginning to operate in your life. God wants to do even more through you. But even at the very beginning, once we can just get to that point, just serving God, obeying God, loving God, worshiping God, studying his word growing in grace once we begin to get on that place then the holy spirit begins to go to work then the holy spirit begins to go to work but a lot of people but you know a lot of times whenever you talk to someone about the trials and the temptations that they're going through they 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 start complaining they start getting mad they start getting upset why do i have to go through this why do i have to go through that i'm on my own uh you know who cares about me nobody's paying attention to me i'm drowning over here listen god knows what you're going through his eyes upon you he knows when a sparrow falls from the earth and he knows when one of the children that he bought with his own blood is going through a hard time. He knows when you're walking in darkness. He knows when you're in a dry season. He knows when you're in temptation. And he knows when it's heavy. And he knows how to get you through. But you've got to stay in submission to him. You've got to stop disobeying him and walking in a way contrary to his word and get back in line with what God said so that you can have the, the, the covering of God over your life. He will cover you and he will water you and you will grow even in a desert. They say the rose of Sharon was like that. It would grow in a desert place. It would grow in a place it wasn't supposed to be. I mean, it would just grow and there was no rain. There was no shade, but that thing would just grow. God's going to do that in you. You may say, I don't like the temperature. I don't have enough rain. There's not any shade for me in this season. And God said, if you'll just stay in Him, stay submitted to Him, stay walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, stay in submission to Him, He will grow you even in this season. He says in verse 3, He's talking about the, the vineyard. You're, how many of you know you're the vineyard? John 15, relate it together. John 15, relate it together. You're the vineyard. Verse 3, I, the Lord, do keep it. I, listen, I, not you, not me, not your denomination, not your mama, not your daddy, not your spouse, not your mom, none of that. I, the Lord, do keep it. I will water it. Somebody help me out there. Every moment lest then he heard it i will keep it night and day i want you i want to know i want you to know something god will water you not just when you need it not when you're parched god will water you not just when you when you finally take the time to say lord i need some help right here the word of god says he's hovering over you and he will pour water over you come on somebody every moment you know that there's moments that, that I just feel God's grace. There's times I'm, I'm, I'm doing something and I just feel the hand of God over my life. You know why? As you stay in submission to God, as you stay walking with God, as you continue to walk in the Spirit, God's just continually pouring out His water in you. He's continually just beginning to water you so that you'll grow, so that you'll be fruitful. He said every moment He will water you. 
You know, there's some, I'm not, I don't have a green thumb. I, I can't even keep a fish alive. And, and, but, you know, you water a plant too much, it'll die. I didn't know that. But if you put too much water in there, that thing will die. But you're not like that. You know why? Because we're like a bottomless pit. We need more water from God. We need an everlasting fountain. We need an everlasting flow. We need a touch from the river of God. We need something that wells up from eternity to come down in, in, in our soul. We need that kind of water because we're a bottomless pit amen we are a bottomless pit and and the reality is is god does do this every moment that you are alive god is watering his children god is watering his children you see and 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 those people that aren't in submission to god they don't have that benefit that's why they go through a hard time. It's like uh, an astronaut out there in space without that oxygen. They just they can't breathe. And, and, and that's how it is whenever you try to live a Christian life outside of submission to God, outside of the, outside of the shelter of God. When you try to live the Christian life, but you're not staying submitted to God, it is contrary. It is not going to happen. There's, you need the water that comes from God. He wouldn't, listen, this verse wouldn't be in here if his vineyard didn't need water. And you need to hear that. Some of you need to hear that. You need watering. You need watering. Amen. You need watering. I I got, I told you I don't have a green thumb. I bought plant and hung it on our porch last year. And I go like three weeks without watering that. I just forgot. I just I can't remember to water that thing. And it'd be brown and I'd water it for a couple of days. Then I'd forget again. And then, but you know, God's not like that. God's not like that. I I mean, I'll just be going along as you stay in submission to God. I'll just feel the power of the Holy Spirit. I just, I just get lost in the spirit sometimes. Just, just feel that grace coming. Well, where's it coming from? My circumstance didn't change. I didn't win the lottery. I didn't get hopped up on pills. I didn't take any drugs. What happened? The, the water from the throne of God came down over my soul and he washed me and he cleansed me and he began to grow me and he began to sustain me. By his grace, he's watching over us so that he can water us. Amen. He knows when we need it. Amen. And he's not a derelict father. He will water you day and night. He will water you hour by hour. He will be your sustaining help in your time of need. He will water you. The word of God says every moment. There are seasons of life that you feel alone, that the temptations and the trials are harder than you can bear, and you don't think you can make it through, but I want you to know you've got a God that will get you through. You've got a God that can get you through it. God's not asking you to get through it. He's asking you to hold on, to stay in submission to him, and he will water you enough that you'll make it through. That's the kind of God we serve. That's the kind of God we serve. He said he'll water you. Every moment, every season, I love that. I want you to know, our hardships do not hinder the water. Our hardships don't hinder the water. You might be walking through a hard time, but it don't hinder the water of God. God will water you up even when you're in a, in a fiery furnace like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know the word of God says when they got thrown in that fiery furnace, there was a fourth man in the fire, and you know what they were doing? They were belly aching. They were just complaining. No, they weren't doing that. They were walking around with Jesus. They were walking in the fire with Jesus. Something was welling up on the inside. God was pouring some water inside of them so greatly that the fire on the outside touched them not. I want you to know every season, every moment of your life, God will water you if you'll stay in submission to him amen what a beautiful promise that our hardships don't hinder that flow there's a flow that comes from his throne there's a flow that comes from his throne and you need to get in it you need to get in that flow the worst thing you can do is walk away from the flow of god that's the worst thing you can do listen to this what flows out of us what flows out of us is a direct result of what God pours in us. One of my favorite scriptures is, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. You know, God, what comes out of you is what came in you. And I want what comes out of me, I want it to be God 
All of God and nothing but God. Amen. People don't need to hear what Kenny says. People don't need to hear what I think because it really don't matter much what I think. A hundred years from now, it won't matter one iota what I said. What will matter is if I said what he said. If I said what he said, that's what's going to matter. And so what people need, what the world needs, is they need that water to flow through you. See, God is an abundant. He gives. You know, Jesus said, when you give, it'll be given back to you. And I know that people you misuse this in, in America especially. But God will give back to you, and he'll have it pressed down, shaken together. And somebody help me, running over, right? Running over. When God, when you, when you give, God gives abundantly more than you can handle. And you see, when God waters you, it's because God's going to use that water to touch others. God's going to, that water's going to begin to touch others. You know, fire's contagious. Fire's contagious. And, you know, when you begin to have that water that flows from the throne of God, it'll begin to touch other people's lives. It'll begin to stir them up. It'll begin to say, you know what? I need what they got. I need what they got. Amen. I need what they got. Well, what, what they really need is God. What they really need is God. Turn with me to John chapter 8. We'll talk about this flow for just a second. John chapter 8. Uh, it's amazing how God keeps his church and he supplies our every need. I love how it says every moment. Because there are seasons in our life that, that we just think that it's, it's, it's too much right now. How can, how can God water me in this season? Well, you don't know our God. If you just stay in submission to God, he'll water you. He'll water you. What a beautiful promise. You know, there's times that, that we've gone through uh, just serious, you know, setbacks. We've gone, through, we've gone through grief. We've gone through hard times. We've gone through situations, you know. But God's faithful in all of those things. God is faithful in all of those things, and he loves you. He's your shepherd, and he will keep your soul watered. What you need, you don't need psychology. You don't need, you don't need somebody to pimp you out of $20. You don't need somebody to use you. You don't need somebody to, you don't need somebody to work you and, and, and put you to work. And what you need is you need water that comes from God. You need water that comes from God. That's what you need. You need that. And God will supply it. I mean, you know, God has an endless supply of water. Help me out here. God has an endless supply of water. If we're not drinking, it ain't God's fault. God ain't putting nobody on regulation. God ain't, God's not saying to somebody, look now, I only have enough for a few of you guys. God's not saying, you know what, you, you don't miss your chance. I've got to conserve this thing because there's a limited supply here. We've got to make sure this river don't dry out. We gotta conserve. You know, you, you brush your teeth, you get like, the water running. Turn that water off. Waste, don't, don't be wasting water. You know, there's there's no wasted water in God's kingdom. It's an endless supply. Amen. The wa the, the problem's not the source. Amen. The problem's not the source. The problem's right here. This is the problem. If we stay in submission, we're going to drink water. If we do what he says. I, and I told you submission for a reason. I told you submission for a reason. I told you earlier, Jesus said, tarry in Jerusalem till you're endued with power. Some of us haven't tarried for power. Some of us haven't tarried for power. Some of us have been too long since we felt that power of God. I want you to know God hadn't run out of power. God's not putting anybody on a restriction. God's not putting anybody on a diet of water. Submission is the key. Look what Jesus says. Verse 37, in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, if any man thirst... Let him come unto me and drink. See, some people, they, they, they don't realize the, the festival and all that. The, they, had a, they had a tradition where they would take a cup of water and they would run over here and pour it out. But Jesus stands up in the middle of that and he says, If anyone thirsty, 
If any man thirst, come to me. How many of you know he wasn't talking about a cup of water? He's talking about something that goes past the natural. He's talking about the supernatural and he's telling you, are you thirsty for the supernatural? Are you thirsty for the power that defies the natural reality? Are you thirsty for that which defies your natural circumstances? Are you ready for that power that will sustain you in desert seasons, in trials that are various and manifold? Are you ready for that power of God in your life? Are you thirsty? Next verse, he says, how many of you believe on Jesus? This is where we got to get in compliance here. It says, he that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. You see, Jesus said, when you believe on him, this is John chapter 8, verse 38. I'm sorry, John chapter 7, verse 38. John chapter 7, verse 38. He said, he that believed on me out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Friends, there's a living water that will flow out of you that you don't have in you. You don't have it in you, but it flows from God. It flows from the throne of God. It flows from the Holy Ghost. It's not yours, it's his. It's him inside of you. And when you believe on him, he begins to open up the well. He begins to pop that top on the well, and those waters begin to flow out, and life begins to flow everywhere that the water touches, life begins to flow. If When you see a creek or a river, every place you see water flowing, you'll begin to see grass growing, you'll begin to see trees sprouting up you'll begin to see life begin to grow fish will be swimming in that thing and God will produce life in you and through you as you believe on him despite the temptations of life the hard times the bad circumstances the you don't understand what I've been through pastor I don't but I know who my God is and he said he will water you every moment and if you'll just simply believe him trust him he he said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Shall flow rivers of living water. God's looking in you to see these rivers begin to flow. I promise you, God has not run out of water. God has a supply of water for your every need. God will minister to you. And I want you to know something. When the water begins to flow, when that fountain begins to flow freely in your life, you won't care about people not inviting you to lunch. You won't care about people not inviting you to weddings. You won't care about people forgetting your birthday. You won't forget about people overlooking you just like David was overlooked because he was the run. But when you've got the fountain of living water flowing through you, you've got all that you need because you've got God. God will give you what you need in every hour, every moment, every trial, every storm. God will sustain your soul. God will give you more than you need, more than enough, because that's the kind of God he is. Every moment, every moment, he will water his flock. Every moment. There's not one moment in your life water's not available for your soul. For your soul. If you'll thirst, if you'll cry out, if you'll believe for that water, God said he'll begin to open those rivers up out of your belly. Out of your belly, they'll begin to flow Amen. Some of you, you need to get down. You need to get down in your prayer life. You need to get down and consecrate your life to God. Some We need to get submitted back to the Word of God. We need to get back under the authority of God. We need to live in accordance to His Word. Follow His Holy Spirit. Live a life that honors Him and glorifies Him because we were bought with the price, the blood of Jesus Christ. We're going to glorify God with our body and our spirit. We're going to give Him all that we are. And when you begin to do that, those fountains will begin to flow in your life. They will begin to flow in your life. I want you to know 
Sometimes, sometimes some of us, we've had that experience before, but there, there, something will kind of get in the, in the way. There will be a flaw in the flow, they'll say. There's a little a, a flow stopper. And something will prop up. It'll, a problem over here. It, that's, a, that's, a, that's a manifold temptation. And it'll stop up that water. But you've got to do what the word says. You've got to come. I want you to know you've got to put these things together because God wants this flow in your life. You need the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. It's not just uh, if you want it, it's here for you. It's not like that. Jesus said you need it. So you need it. And I want you to know this. When those flaw stopper, when the flow stoppers begin to prop up in your life, you need to stop and go back to James chapter 4 and submit yourself to God. Consecrate yourself again to God. Say, Lord, I'm yours. I'm yours. Every bit of me I give to you. I will not resist you in any way. Whatever your word says, I'm going to do. I'm giving myself afresh to you right now. And then you begin to resist the devil in that flow stopper. You begin to resist him and tell him no. Tell him in the name of Jesus, you've got to go. If it's a whatever the issue is, you come against it in the name of Jesus and you bind it in the name of Jesus and you begin to push back on that thing. And the word of God says he'll flee. He'll flee. And you know what happens after that? Once he flees, the flow begins to grow. The flow of the water begins to grow again. Amen. You'll, you'll begin to experience that every moment, every trial, every situation. God has available for you water from his throne. Water from his throne. And I got one question for you. Are you drinking from that water? I want you to know you're missing out if you're not. You're missing out if you're not. There is water at the throne of God. It flows. There is a spiritual throne. It's a real throne, and it is spiritual, and there is a really, there is a, a flow of God's river that truly flows from his throne into your soul by the Spirit. And if you'll truly believe, that water will begin to rise up, and it'll begin to manifest out. And I'll, that's where life begins to flow. God has it for you, church. He loves you. And every single moment, God will be with you, watering you, if you'll stay in connection with him. Father, we bless you tonight. We thank you for the word of God. And Lord, we thank you for the truth of your word. Lord, I pray that you would reveal truth to your people tonight. Open, open our understanding, Lord, that we can hear you and, and receive what you have for us tonight. And Lord, I pray over each person here tonight, if, if we need, Lord, your help for this or for another situation, God, I pray that you would help us in it, Lord. We bless you. We bless you tonight, Lord. We bless you tonight, Lord. If God's speaking to you tonight, would you wave your hand to me? Tell the Lord you hear him. Tell the Lord you hear him. Hallelujah. Lord, we hear you. We hear you, Lord. We hear you, Jesus. We hear you, Lord. And Lord, we know we need. We know 